Well, good morning. It is uh, a long, long time coming. Um, we have longed to be with you all. We've um, actually been in the U.S. since the summer of 2019. Uh, we came back to the U.S. Uh, with every intention of coming out to see you all. Actually had tickets in hand to come out west. And uh, this uh, pandemic has uh, deterred us and, and many others. Here with my wife, Debbie. Um, unfortunately, our children, who are now grown, uh, are not able to be with us here uh, this morning. But it, it is amazing to have a history uh, with a church for some 20 years um, as we've been serving with our denomination in Central Asia. We were living in Pasadena and uh, got connected with, with Spring Meadows back then. And uh, you all have been faithfully partnering with us and supporting us over those years. And if you haven't been able to follow us, uh, it's probably our fault. Um, uh, and uh, it may be that uh, we have not gotten your information and have not uh, been able to get information to you. So on the back uh, bookshelf, you can get our prayer card where there's a place to say we'd love to follow the wandering Williamses. And so we are grateful that you have followed us over the years as we originally started in Uzbekistan um, in God's providence. Um, a bunch of us uh, were forced to leave that place, ended up in Belgium for a little while, Ukraine for a little while, and most recently in Azerbaijan. And so really want to, to come this morning and share with you uh, what the Lord has been teaching us. Uh, we are continuing to be, to be learners, continuing to understand how to live in this world, but not of the world, to be instruments uh, in the hands of the Redeemer, to be uh, aroma uh, to the world, to be a light in darkness. And so I just want to share just some of our stories, share some of, some of the things we've learned, particularly from this passage in 1 Peter. So if you would turn with me. I will go ahead and have us read this passage uh, that we will be anchored to as I'll have us jump around a little bit. Um, so 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, this, this book was written actually to a group of people in Central Asia, in, in modern day Turkey, uh, who had this identity of being exiles and sojourners, very much like the, the Jews in the time of Babylon. And, and so Peter was writing to them as they were uh, living in these pagan lands as believers, uh, wrestling to live out their faith uh, in a part of the world that is uh, much under the shroud of Islam. So with that, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, and uh, we'll, I'll read till uh, verse 10. Uh, please give attention to the reading of God's word. Peter writes, As you come to the Lord Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Gracious, merciful, heavenly Father, we pause and we call out to you. We quiet our hearts because we want to sit before the living word of God. And we want you, by your Spirit, to come and and speak to us. We want you to come and reveal yourself to us. To help us to understand who you are. Who we are. What you have done for us and how we should live in light of that. So please come, be with me. Lord, speak through this vessel. May your spirit speak clearly to this congregation. May they hear the good news. May they repent and believe and abide in it and find life. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'd like us to primarily focus on verse 5 and verse 9. It's, uh, th- this is the section that is particularly guided and directed our lives and I think uh, will be a place to help you understand uh, some of what we've done and some of what we're trying to do. Here we see where Peter tells these exiles, these sojourners, that they are living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And we see in in verse 9 that they are a a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. This is the story of Scripture in many ways. Uh, This is what began in the garden when God created Adam and Eve and he created the garden temple. He wanted to create for himself a people, a people that would worship him and serve him in all of their lives. That was the original plan. And we know that that went awry. And God came and he chose for himself a new people. And we see in Exodus 19, where God explains as, to the Israelites as, as he brought them out of Egypt. And he brought them across the Red Sea and they're standing at Mount Sinai. He speaks through Moses. And in chapter 19, this is what the Lord says. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you say to the house of Jacob, 
and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel, not just to one tribe of Israel, but to all of Israel. God, from the beginning, has wanted to establish for himself a holy, royal priesthood. And that is what we see here. Peter telling us that the Lord Jesus has done. That the Lord Jesus has come and, and again has, has this mandate of establishing this holy, royal priesthood. And we see in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, this beautiful picture where the, the Lamb of God is presented and the Lamb of God is the one who is worthy to open the scrolls and there's this beautiful song that is sung. Listen, people of God, starting in verse 9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth Jesus has come to establish a priesthood when you wake up in the morning do you think of yourself as a priest the priesthood of all believers is one of our foundational reformation teachings and yet it is something that I find that we are not living in and, and really living out of. And as we have sought to do our work among the nations, we have found that this identity of being a priesthood is essential to the gospel going forth into the darkness. But we know the problem of the Old Testament was that the priests of the Old Testament did not do their work. Uh, they are called to be a holy priesthood. And, and what does that mean? What does it mean to be a holy priesthood? Here again, in Peter, we are called to be holy as God is holy. Holy not in the sense that we're perfect, for we still live in these, these bodies of flesh that have not yet been redeemed. We still live in a world that is corrupt. But we are holy in the sense that we've been set apart. That we've been chosen. That we've been sprinkled with the blood of our high priest that has cleansed us and has made us holy. And we are to be living out of that reality. Living holy lives. And yet... Like much of the Middle East, I wonder, have we lost our priests? Where we serve currently, there is a historic apostolic church founded through the, the movement of the apostles into this part of Central Asia. Bartholomew, particularly, established this Caucasian, Albanian apostolic church. It was thriving up until about the 4th century. It was a part of the Nicene 
council, the Chalcedon Council, this flourishing Orthodox church established by the apostles. It struggled all the way up until the 10th century and the 11th century. They saw churches planted, monasteries established, seminaries established. And at the turn of the last century, with the Soviets coming in, taking their priests away and burning their books, they all but lost all that they were. For what is a worshiping community? What is a Christian community without priests? Who is there to, to lead, to guide, and to teach and worship? We've had the honor of participating with the historic Syriac church and the Norwegian Lutheran Evangelical Church, partnering with them to come alongside these brothers who, when we first met them, said, we are Christians, but there is no God. We've had the privilege of coming alongside them to help reestablish their priesthood, to reestablish a people who have lives of worship and service toward God. For this is why we were created. And yet, have we lost our priesthood? Have we lost the sense of who we were? Martin Luther, as we mentioned earlier, at one point was so adamant about this, he questioned whether we should even refer to ourselves as Christians anymore or whether we should refer to all of us as priests. How would it change your daily habits if you woke up with an identity of being a priest? One of my favorite movies is Princess Diaries. Maybe you think a middle-aged guy, how, how do you relate to such a movie? Princess Diaries is about this teenage girl who has no idea who she is. And once she learns that she's actually a princess, attempts to live in that reality very awkwardly as I often live my Christian life. And more days than not, I live more like a teenage girl than a princess. To take the analogy maybe farther than it should have gone. <laughs> but Christians, are you living out of the reality of who you really are? Or are you living like a teenage girl? Not that there's anything wrong with teenage girls. But when you're a princess, are you living out of that reality? So if this is who we are, how should we live? What should be characteristics of being a holy priesthood? And we have it right here in our passage. And these are some of the foundational elements that are key to our work and our ministry as we seek to live this way and as we seek to disciple others to live this way and as we invite others to join us and to come into this part of the world where the church is minuscule. How should we live that the gospel might go for, forth? And we see it in verse 5, where it says, Out of this priesthood, we are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then in verse 9, we see it expressed differently but similarly. That, that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. These are spiritual sacrifices. These are not real sacrifices. Where we live, it's possible actually nowadays to do a real sacrifice. 
And what do I mean by that? There are still live animal markets in the Muslim world uh, this summer during their Korban Bayram sacrifice where they remember the provision of a ram to Abraham. They too, they go and purchase live rams and they slaughter them and they use part of it for their own family as celebration, kind of like a Thanksgiving. Then they take part of it and they distribute it to their neighbors, showing generosity, and then a third of it they give to the poor. And so it's very common and very easy to go and to the live animal mart and get to pick out your ram, kind of like going, you know, for Christmas, getting your Christmas tree. Very similar, but slightly different. For my daughter's 16th birthday, when I asked her what she wanted to do, she said, I want to have a barbecue and I want to go and pick the ram. I said, all right, let's do this. So we went to the animal mart, which happens to be right next to the butcher, conveniently. And uh, we were able to pick an actual ram and have it slaughtered right there. And they asked me, is this for a sacrifice? The mentality of a sacrifice isn't just for the atonement of sin. And we see that in the Old Testament. There are many types of sacrifices. Some of them were for the atonement of sin. But most of them and many of them were offerings of thanksgiving, a reflection of God's provision, giving back to God as he has given to us. But what we're talking about this morning are not actual physical animal sacrifices. We're talking about spiritual sacrifices. And so what examples does the New Testament give us for these spiritual sacrifices? If you will, in Hebrews 13, we get an example of two of them. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Through him, the Lord Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Continually, not just on Sunday morning. As you go to the market, as you live in your workplace. This is something for us in our context, in our culture is rather normal. To give thanks to God. Allah shukur. Hudaga shukur. Slava bogu. These are things in different languages in our context of saying praise to God to giving credit to God in everyday conversation. I find many of us from a Reformed tradition who are a little bit afraid of becoming too charismatic aren't so excited about saying praise the Lord in public. But where is the place for us living out our identity as priests in the world? As you go out into the world, are you characterized by somebody who is offering up sacrifices of praise to God? Continually, not just quietly in your heart, but is this a part of your proclaiming the excellencies of God who has delivered you from darkness and into his marvelous light? So this is one of our sacrifices that we as priests, we as priests should be flowing from our lives. Another one is in the verse just to follow. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have as you learned in kindergarten, right? For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is something we've sought to equip the church to do. We too have sought to model it, 
to find ways that we can do good and share what we have. This is very difficult when you are in a context where there are many people who have far less than you do. But are you characterized by someone who has a loose grasp on your possessions? Are you willing to share? Are you willing to do good? And what does that look like in your context? For the church that we helped to start, one of it was providing food bags for people who are out of work during COVID. We helped to help mobilize them and equip them to be able to have resources to, be, to where they could go and they could purchase rice and bread and oil to, so that people could have food. Because during this pandemic, many of them were on the edge of not being able to purchase basic essentials. And yet the church was able to move into those spaces and to share what they had and to do good. There's a humanitarian organization that we have worked with that has sought to serve families, 30 families who have special needs children. And this flows out of our identity of who we are. We as a community and we as individuals should be characterized by, as people who do good and who share what we have. This is a part of our identity as priests. The next one is found in Philippians. Philippians, the last chapter, 4. Here, Paul is describing a gift that he received. In verse 18, he says, I have received full payment. The, the Philippian church provided a gift, a financial gift to him. And he says, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Spring Meadows, thank you. I, like Paul, can say that your generosity has provided for our family. We are well supplied. We have not had need. In fact, we've been able to share what you and churches like you have given to us. Here, Paul is saying that these offerings, these gifts to those who are about proclaiming the gospel and taking it to lands beyond is an acceptable sacrifice is a pleasing aroma to God, like the incense going up to heaven. You have helped to, for us to come alongside two local pastors who are proclaiming the gospel publicly, to come alongside a national partner who's able to organize theological education. Your gifts to us have been multiplied because of your faithfulness. We thank you. And this is something that we are supposed to be doing as a community of priests. This is a part of our spiritual sacrifices of getting the good news out to places where it may not be. The next one we'll find in Romans 12, a very familiar passage. But one, when we meditate upon it, should really challenge us as we think at what Paul is saying here. He says, in light of all of this, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This takes us back to the original calling of being a priest. 
It was not just a one hour, once a week calling. It was all of life. We were created for the worship of God and for the service of God. And so we are, our entire bodies are every day, we are to be a living sacrifice, not to be a martyr or to be a suicide bomber. That's not the kind of sacrifice. We are the walking dead. We have denied ourselves. We have taken up our cross and we are living lives of, of being a living sacrifice. That is what it means to follow the Lord Jesus. That's what he told us. If you wish to be my disciple, this is the type of life you have to lead. Christians is that characteristic of our lives. We invited two families from America to come and join us. And it has been difficult for both of them. Both of them with difficulties with language, difficulties with managing relationships among national partners, trying to understand culture, trying to endure a, a war with the neighbor, the, uh, uh, with the neighboring country, trying to live and manage under a pandemic, under lockdown, where in order to leave your apartment, you had to get a, a, a pass from the police through text message. And both of those families, under all of this pressure, and I don't put it any fault to their own, but they went, and now they're back in the U.S. Questioning, should they continue in this life of living, being a living sacrifice? The call to be a foreign worker is not easy. It is challenging. And we thank you for your prayers that sustain us. But you too, wherever you are, are to be that aroma of Christ as, as burning incense. Think of yourself as a... Um, I don't know, an, an incense burner or aromatherapy bowl, whichever you like, you, spreading the aroma of Christ. You are a living sacrifice as you go into the world, as you go into your workplace. Your whole body, all that you do, is pointing people toward Christ or, and hopefully not away from Christ. All of this is, is challenging and difficult but we find the challenge to David in Psalm 51, perhaps for me, to be the most difficult posture that we as priests really need to own and have. For God told David, I don't delight in sacrifice. I don't delight with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. That is what the Lord is after. That is the true characteristic of one living as a priest, a holy priest of God, is one who is giving a sacrifice of humility and contrite heart. And is this not the model that our high priest gave to us as we look at Philippians 2. Is that not what we see in this great illustration of Jesus where, he call, where Paul tells us, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, 
which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man and going on to become that lamb of God who was slain, who redeemed us, who shed his blood for us. Is it any wonder that we as priests are called to be like our high priest, the Lord Jesus, who went before us? And that's what we see in our passage. We see that Peter here writes about what the Lord Jesus has done. The Lord Jesus before, before us was the stone. He was the living stone. He is the one that was rejected. He went before us. He is the one who is chosen and precious. And it is because of him and his work that we are who we are. And we must fix our eyes upon him, the author and finisher of our faith. And why is this important for missions? Uh, again, back to the Revelation 5 passage, which is at the beginning of our worship service. It's the reason I put it there. Here in this image of worthy is the Lamb, we get this picture of Jesus and that He came and He opened the scrolls. And as I mentioned in this phenomenal song, we see it all declared about what He has done. And how we should live. In verse 9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? Because he was slain. And by his, land, by his blood. He ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language. And people and nation. Christian. This is what breaks my heart. This is why Jesus came. This is what his blood has accomplished. And yet currently 40% of the world is considered unreached. Meaning that unless some Christian intentionally crosses a border, learns a language, goes into a culture that is not their own, that 40% of the world is hopeless without the gospel. There are not enough Christians in that context to make the gospel known. 24% of that 40% is what we call the Muslim world. And that is what Debbie and I have been called to. That is what challenged us over 20 years ago to go to Central Asia, was because there are still so many people who have not heard the gospel and believed. And not just individuals. There are entire villages and towns where there is no believer and no believer has come to tell them about the work of the Lord Jesus. And so that is what we are spending our lives for these days. It's calling our church, calling our denomination to first pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send labors because the harvest is plentiful. Come tonight and we'll share about how God is moving among the, in the Muslim world. How we've had opportunity to go to places where there are no known believers and we have now seen people come to faith. They're not coming to faith, Romans 10 tells us, because people aren't going. They aren't hearing. How can they believe unless someone is sent 
to tell them. And that is what we as priests are called to do. We are called to go into the world. You are called to go into the world. To, to live lives offering up spiritual sacrifices and declaring the goodness of God. And I know it's not just this 40% or 24% of the Muslim world that needs that. It's also needed right here in Las Vegas. It's desperately needed here in America. We're a post-Christian culture. And I believe part of it is because we are not living. We, the church, we as Christians are not living as the people of God that God has called us to be. There'll be a day soon, and it may be at hand, where there are missionaries coming to America to reach us because we have lost our priests like the Caucasian Albanian Apostolic Church. May God have mercy. May He keep us from those days. And may He persevere us as we abide in His Word and as we continue in worship. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have not left us without the gospel. You have not taken your spirit from us, but you have remained with us. We pray that you would not take your spirit from us and that you would be near to us. We pray that you would search us and try us and help us to know those things that are keeping us that are hindering us, that we might throw them off and that we may live lives of spiritual sacrifice, proclaiming your excellencies, your goodness to the world. Please come fill us, we ask now, by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.